Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome, everyone. My name is Anike Akinbode. I am your lovely, blessed, sanctified host of the Knowing God podcast. And my special co-host, actually my boss, the reason why I even have this platform, is my God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I welcome you to this platform. If you are brand new, thank you so much for stumbling across this. And I pray that as you have stumbled across it, that you will remain here to receive the precious word of God into your spirit. Uh, And I also thank my continued listeners for your support. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to delve right into the Bible because I really just want to get through it and get through these um, books because, you know, the Bible is pretty lengthy. But I also want to make sure that we are getting some good, good revelation from the word, right? We don't want to read the book as if it's just some storybook. We need to read it and really be in tune with God. We need to turn on our spirit mans to receive. So if you're just joining me for the first time, just take a deep breath, close your eyes, listen to the word, or if you're reading along, open up your spirit, man, right? Let's do away with the flesh completely. We want to be able to understand this word from a spiritual standpoint because God is spirit. He's not religion. So we're going to take off our religious caps, right? And we're going to put on our spiritual caps in the Lord and just try to receive new revelations from his word. So Father, with that being said, I'm going to come before you now saying thank you. Thank you so Lord, so much, Lord, excuse me, for this opportunity, the chance to be able to read your word, to learn together with my virtual family, and to be able to receive that which you want us to know and how you want it to um you know, form in our lives, how you want us to relate to it, how you want us to use it to relate it to others that we come in contact with. And so, Father, we just ask that you decrease me completely and fill me up with your spirit. You do the talking. Let my mouth just be your mouthpiece, O God, and speak through me, Holy Spirit. And I ask, O God, that the ears that are going to listen to this message, to listen to your word, that they will receive it all the way into their spirit beings and that their spirit man will awaken and begin to enter into a new intimacy with you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, be thou exalted. You are worthy to be praised. We glorify you and we magnify your holy name. Thank you for life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome again, everyone. So we are now in part three of the Leviticus series, and I am currently on chapter eight, and I'm going to be reading from verse one. And the subtitle here is Aaron and his sons consecrated. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the intricately woven brand of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. And he put the turban on his head. Also on the turban, on its front, he put the golden plate the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering and Moses killed it. Then he took the blood and put some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. 
Then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hides, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he brought the ram as the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around on the altar, and he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. And I think we're going to take a look at this and see the significance of this blood being put on their uh, right ear, right hand, right foot. It must have some symbolism to it. Verse 25, then he took the fat and the fat tail, all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh, and from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, and one wafer, and put them on the fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his son's hands, and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offering. They were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire, and you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. As he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. For so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. And this concludes chapter eight. We're going to go into chapter nine, finish up the chapters, and then we're going to take a quick break and come back and we're going to dissect everything that we've read. And I think this is how I'm going to be doing it going forward. We're just going to dissect it all to really get a good grasp, which means we may have to go into the New Testament as well so that there's an understanding of the purpose of what was done in the Old Testament, that it's not really necessarily done away with. It's just a newer form now, right, because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So chapter 9, and this is titled, The Priestly Ministry Begins. It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel, you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering, also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and, and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people, and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. 
Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar, as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. Verse 12. And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around on the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to him with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered for sin like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar besides the burnt sacrifice of the, bur of the morning. Excuse me. He also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices of peace offerings, which were for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood which he sprinkled all around on the altar, and the fat from the bull and the ram, the fatty tail, what covers the entrails and the kidneys, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver. And they put the fat on the breast. Then he burned the fat on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Hallelujah. The glory of God is mighty, guys. We're now in chapter 10, and this is titled The Profane Fire of Nadab and Abihu. Let's listen intently. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Just like that, two of Aaron's sons gone. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. And that still stands to this day, y'all. So Aaron held his peace. Meaning, Aaron as a human being was probably like, oh, is that how God is just going to take my sons? You know, but um, our almighty God has spoken. Verse four, then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar, and Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Verse 8, and this subtitle is Conduct, Conduct Prescribed for Priests. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses." And Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and to Ithamar, his sons, who were left. Take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by fire to the Lord and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your son's due of the sacrifices made by fire to the Lord, for so I have been commanded. 
the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering you shall eat in a clean place, you, your sons and your daughters with you, for they are your due and your sons due, which are given from the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The thigh of the heave offering and the breast of the wave offering they shall bring with the offerings of fat made by fire to offer as a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be yours and your sons with you by a statute forever as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering. And there it was, burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, who were left, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place, since it is most holy, and God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? Oof, my goodness. The, the bravery of some people. See. Its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offerings before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So when Moses heard that, he was content. That ends chapter 10. Ooh, things got a little heated there between the cousins. And this is titled Foods permitted and forbidden. Let's listen. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying to them, speak to the children of Israel saying, these are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, C-U-D, that you may eat. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud, but does not have hoven cloves, is unclean to you. And guys, don't worry. We're going to sort of, we're going to break this down to really get an understanding. So I'm just highlighting that so we can come back to it. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, which is a rabbit, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine. Though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. We all know that swine means pig, pork. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall eat not their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard. These are So these are birds that must not be eaten. They're considered an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, and the falcon after its kind. Every raven after its kind. The ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after its kind. The little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl the white owl, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe, the hoopoe, and the bat. We got to look up some of these animals. Interesting. All flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Mm. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth, these you may eat the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. By these, this is, this is verse 24, and the subtitle is unclean animals. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven hoofed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. 
everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth. The mole. Unclean. Animals that creep on the earth. The mole, the mouse, and the large lizard after its kind. The gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the land, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is in any item of wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever item it is, in which any work is done, it must be put in water and it shall be unclean until evening, then it shall be clean. Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break and whatever it is in it, shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean, and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is in an oven or cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed, which is to be sown, it remains clean. But if water is put on the seed, and if a part of any such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of his carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. Sounds to me like you can't eat a caterpillar, right? Because that does have many legs. 40, verse 43. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping things that creeps, nor shall you make yourself unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping things that creep on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. God says it again. Holiness is so important. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. Mm. Wow. We're going to stop here because we just did chapters eight all the way through 10. I've actually all the way through 11. Wow. Okay, great. So we have a lot to unpack from these four chapters. And I definitely want to try to get into it. As I was reading, I heard a voice that just came out to me. So I'm going to definitely share that as well. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Um, and, and which is so important, right? You want God to point out something, even if it's one thing, it doesn't matter, but you want to make sure that something stands out, something significant. And it's very similar to what I've said in the last two episodes that continues to stand out to me. You know, the grace, the grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, you know, the grace of the new covenant to do away with some of these sacrifices, in fact, with all of these sacrifices, you know, and so we're going to get right into it. In the meantime, Let's take a quick break. Please do not leave. If you are going to leave, go use the restroom. Get yourself some coffee or some hot chocolate with some yummy marshmallows in it and just sit back and relax so that we can go ahead and dissect what we have just read. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. All right. All right. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for hanging in there. Um, I hope you did get your hot chocolate and your coffee and you took your bathroom break. So let's go ahead and dissect what we have read um, from chapter eight to, sorry, from, yeah, from chapter eight to chapter 11. 
So there's a there's not so much to unpack because it still kind of goes back to what I've been saying throughout my um, last two parts. If you have not listened, please go back and listen to parts one and part two that has the first couple of chapters in it, the first seven chapters, and you will see what I've been saying. It's sort of the same thing that is happening here, but we're now starting to get into some other things as well. But in chapter eight, basically, I what I gathered without even having to you know, look at any study Bible or anything like that. And I'm not saying study Bibles are bad. It is actually a good thing to have a study Bible. Sometimes we may not really fully understand what we are reading. Maybe we don't really know how to be in tune spiritually with God. And that's okay. You know, God has blessed some people here to be able to write books, you know, that will be um, in alignment with God's word to help people understand better. And then with that, it allows you to go back to the word to read it. And then that's when the Holy Spirit would just pop up and activate your spirit, man. It can definitely happen that way. So anyway, with that being said, chapter eight was basically just kind of giving us the rundown of how Aaron and his sons were to be sanctified and made um, holy and made pure and clean before they could do anything or make any atonement for sin for not just themselves and their family, but also for the congregation as a whole, for all the Israelites, right? And so God emphasizes how holy he is. And in order to go in and, you know, perform all these sacrifices and the atonement for sins, they had to be hallowed, you know, that was Moses's job, right? To hallow them for ministering to God as priests. Um, and that was the ceremony that was just set aside for, for God's purpose and for God's will. You know, I mean, if we go into the New Testament, and I said we'll touch in that a little bit, 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and 9, right? It says, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up special sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So important, right? That we understand this. Verse 9 of that first Peter chapter 2 also says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, right? We are peculiar people that ye should you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, so we have, we are called um, as people of God who have priestly duties to perform here on earth, right? We may not have to go through all this ceremony, but there are some churches, I'll say my church, for instance, there, they still follow some of these um, traditions with the anointing of the oil on the head so that they're consecrated. You know, they go through uh, prophetic um, schools, you know, if, 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 the prophetic is their calling. If you're going to be a pastor, then obviously you're going to be taught. If you're going to be a minister, an evangelist, you know, there are different things that people would um, go through in their various churches and they would be anointed and they would be consecrated to be set apart for God's use, right? Because God is holy. And it's the same way today. You have to be set apart. You have to separate yourself from the things of this world. You have to separate yourself from your flesh. You have to kill your flesh completely. And think about it. Ooh, Holy Spirit. Um, think about what's going on here. I really don't even have to say too much because with the, the goats and the, the rams and the birds and all these things that are being killed for these offerings, the sin offering, the grain offering, the burnt offering, right? All these sins that are being... Um, 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 all these sins that people are sending their sacrifices up for, for their atonement of sins and, and having to burn and kill all these meat, this meat and, and do this with the flesh and stuff like that. It's the same way we have to kill our flesh. We have to like suicide <laughs> this flesh and take on the very nature of Christ. We have to die to self. That is what Christ did for us. He, he died just to save us. And who are we? We're still filthy. We still commit atrocious sins. We still offend our neighbors. We still say things that are not um, becoming, you know, we still do things that are just not right in the sight of God, right? And yet we are still given this grace to be able to come before him in humility, of course, with a repentant heart to seek forgiveness, to be forgiven and to move on with life. And the one intercessor that we have is Jesus Christ. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the burnt sacrifice for you and I. 
Think about it. We don't have to go through all this process just to get God's attention. We have to go through his son. God was selfless enough because he said, man, I really thought I made perfection. We were considered perfect in his sight. And so when the first Jesus, right, was created, Adam, our, our forefather, you know, unfortunately, sin befell them. And so God was like, all right, there's got to be laws. And these are the laws that we are reading now because there was lawlessness. The Israelites forgot the promises that God made to their forefathers. They were defiling. They were sinning. And God was like, no, there has to be laws. And the crazy part is even though the laws were supposed to help people live right and fear God even more, the law also became like an imprisonment for the people. Because if they could not fulfill the law, they would have to go and make atonement for their sin based on these sacrifices that we are reading. And that's a lot. And many of them couldn't even afford some of these animals, but they still had to do something. Imagine going in there defiled, Asking God for repentance by way of your burnt offering and your sacrifices and all these things. And you step foot right outside the tent and you decide, I'm just not going to follow another law. Or I'm just not going to do what God says that I'm supposed to do. And so every time you're going to have to keep, I mean, come on. At some point, when do we say, God, take it all away. I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. I'd rather sacrifice my flesh for you than to sacrifice my flesh for the things of this world because there is nothing in this world. This world has nothing to offer us. God has everything to offer us while we are in this world, but there is nothing in this world that can do anything that God cannot do 10 times better. We have to remember that the God of this world is false and he makes us believe and think that we've got it all. We need no one. We don't need God. All we need is ourselves. And you hear all this, I, 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 I manifest this. I manifest that. What the universe has for me shall be for me. And then you'll see that these people are actually succeeding and doing well because Satan is like, ah, thank you for praying to me. I'm going to give you everything you're asking for. No. Because what God has for us, oh my goodness, it's so good. It's way better than what you think this world has for you. In fact, you ever see people who look so happy, but they probably don't look as put together as you would expect. But then when you look at their bank account, their assets, their home, you're like, wait a minute, how do they have all these things? What is this? There's just something about them. I've never seen them a day in their life have to go out or do anything crazy. They're like always going to church and coming back. I thought church people were poor. Oh no, sweetheart. That's the problem right there. You were thinking about church. You didn't think about God's people, people who are serving God in spirit and in truth. When we are serving God in spirit and in truth, our spirit man is convicted immediately when our flesh is doing something wrong. Because the spirit now lives in us and we in him. And so it is so important to remain in alignment with your maker so that you do not fall off, so that you do not fall by the wayside, so that you do not miss out on your blessings, so that your prayers do not fall on deaf ears. Hallelujah. And so when I read this, it really takes me to a place of appreciation for the God that I serve. I mean, come on, what more can we ask for from this God that we are serving? He's an awesome God. God calls Aaron to minister. Look at what his sons did. I mean, they had no fear whatsoever. It was so disrespectful. And God was really mad. He's a holy God. Who do you think you are coming, making profane sacrifices before the Lord? Especially when he didn't even ask them to do it. We must be very careful. We cannot make vain vows and promises to God. We cannot come to God so defiled and expect him to do something without first seeking forgiveness of your filthy sins. You and I, I include myself in that. You think you can just come to God 
as dirty as you are without actually acknowledging God first. He is holy and he will be treated as such. He's the I am that I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, meaning he knows your beginning, he knows your end. You're still trying to figure out in between. God knows that too. We don't have to do all these burnt sacrifices and all these uh, grain offerings and all, and, and all this stuff and killing animals and sprinkling blood everywhere. We don't even have to do these things anymore. Do we still utilize oil? Yes, it's very significant. Do we still utilize water? Yes, it's also very significant. Hello, the Holy Spirit was, uh, was hovering over the waters, right? Water is a very symbolic element formed and created by God. Oil also has symbolism, olive oil to be specific. So just because they were doing it in the Old Testament doesn't mean that it cannot be continued today. What you have to do is take the word of God in faith and read that word into your water, into your oil, believing that that water, that oil has become the word of God, therefore has received the power of God so that when you apply it to your forehead or uh, on, on your children or on, on the doors of your home, your windows, whatever it is, you have done it in faith, believing that your home is blessed, that it is sanctified, that it has been made holy. And this is something that we do in repetition to keep our home, our personal altar, this body of ours, which is an altar of the Lord's, by the way, keeping it sanctified and pure and holy. Very important. We must not take our God for granted. Every day we wake up is a blessing. It is a blessing, guys. I don't know why the Holy Spirit is taking me this way. My, my goal was to sort of break down what we read, but I guess this is his way of breaking it down to show you the grace that he has brought for us, but not to abuse that grace. The Israelites could not afford to abuse the grace God was giving them through all these offerings and the laws that he set forth before them. I don't think they even realized it was grace because they were walking dead. And what God wants us to do is to make sure that our spirit man stays alive. If you read the Bible some more, even on your spare time, Moses and Elijah, they're not dead. Oh, yeah, physically, but spiritually, they are very much alive. Just like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is very much alive in you and I who have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. He is alive and he is well and he is performing miracles and doing great things and delivering people from strongholds that continue to hold us back from that which God wants to take us forward to. So this thing that the sons of Aaron did was blasphemous before God, right? Because think about it. We don't know what their motivation was, right? But maybe it was pride. Who knows? Maybe it was ambition. Maybe it was jealousy. Maybe it was even impatience that motivated them. But at the end of the day, it wasn't holy to God. They had a legacy of great spiritual experiences, like firsthand. You saw all the miracles God did in bringing Egypt, uh, bringing the nation out of Egypt. You heard the voice of God and saw the fire. You saw the lightning. You saw the smoke. You felt the thunder and the earthquake with the rest of the nation of the Mount in Mount Sinai. They saw these things. You guys even went up with Moses, Aaron, and the 70 elders for a special meeting with God on Mount Sinai. And if you remember that, that was in Exodus 24. These young men experienced all these things. But yet, you defiled God? Out of what? Impatience? Ambition? Jealousy? Who knows? Look at what happened. He took their lives immediately. Whew, thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. I tell you, thank you, God, for being selfless because we know it's God in three persons. God sat on his throne, his majestic throne, saying, how do I free my people? I guess I'm going to have to go because he asked in the heavens, who will go down? Who will go down and lay down his life for my people? Nobody. Not one person said they would go down. So what did God do? God had to create himself in the second person. Hallelujah, somebody. God gave a piece of himself in the flesh, found Mary, who found favor in his sight as a virgin, 
put himself inside of her and then came out in the flesh who we know as Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And so Jesus Christ comes out in the flesh to bear pains, to bear our problems, to bear our sins, to, to bear insult and, and, and ridicule and disgrace. They called him all kinds of blasphemous words, despite the miracles he was performing. Instead, they chalked it up to witchcraft. And so when we see prophets today, whether we know they're real or not, it is for us to ask God for that spirit of discernment. Because there are some prophets, there are some in the prophetic, not prophets, but in the prophetic, who have the ability to deliver people from their strongholds, from these evil spirits that have consumed them mentally, physically, spiritually. God has given us that power. We have to tap into it. We haven't tapped into it yet. Because we are not tapping into the word. We are not tapping into the word of God to receive it, to actually have a spiritual understanding of what God is trying to tell us that we have authority over all. We no longer have to do all these things anymore. We no longer have to defile ourselves, our minds, our spirit, what we watch, what we eat, who we hang with. The music we listen to is so important. There are all windows to our soul and our soul is what affects the body just like the body affects the soul. And what is happening? The spirit man lies dormant, yet our spirit man still helps us in many situations that we don't even realize because that's where the Holy Spirit is. But you want that spirit man to be on full activation, literally. So what do we do? We have to kill this flesh of ours. We have to die to self. We have to be crucified with Christ. Just as he was selfless and long-suffering, so we need to be. Hallelujah. I, I think the Lord wanted me to get to this place. And um, I know we wanted to understand a few things, but I, those were significant to me in terms of what Nadab and Abihu did. And just like that, Aaron lost two sons and he still had two left. He was even afraid to even further eat anything, If, we, if as we heard when we read it here. He was just like, should I now go and do that? Look at what happened to my sons, especially if my heart is not even right. You know what? You're right. Let me leave you be. Because even that in itself, how dare you go into that temple that was most holy, most sacred, to say you want to do an atonement for sins, but you have this malice and this grudge that you're keeping in your heart, in your spirit? Uh-uh. Remember, these people didn't make it. Some people went in there, apparently, so I, I hear this, my husband would tell me this, that there were people who would actually go into that temple and they would have a rope to pull them out when they were done. Some people were pulled out dead. Like they would be yanking that rope and they're like, okay, seems like God took this one. How dare you come to God with a defiled heart, not having repented first? Yes, he says, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says that we should cast our burdens upon him and he shall sustain us. He would never suffer, suffer the righteous to be moved. So as for me, I'm going to cast my burdens on God. And I will bear his burdens because his burdens are light. They're not heavy. Heavy burdens are the ones we try to carry on this earth, this world. And we can never carry it because it's just going to get heavier and heavier. But Jesus's burden is light. All he asks us is to love, to love God with all our heart, all our might, all our soul, with every fiber, every being of us. That's what God asks us to do. He just wants us to love him. Jesus says we should love God. We should love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. Love conquers it all. So not just that regular love that these people are throwing around or that the world throws around and says it's okay to accept the things that are against God. No, we're talking about the things of God how God expects us to be, that when your neighbor is hungry or cold or suffering from something, you have the things that is needed to provide. And if you have the money to buy it, you go buy it, you go out of your way to go and protect your neighbor, to go and save them and show them who Christ is in you. That is who we are. That is what God has called us to be. Amen. Hallelujah. So folks, I want to see if we can touch briefly. And to be honest, I wasn't really sure how to dissect some of these animals. So I was really, really curious to see um, what David's music ha uh, had to say about some of these animals. And I, I don't think he really had too much, but 
you know, the laws God gave to Israel dealt with many aspects of life, right? And so you start, you begin to see in these sections where it talks about the animals um, which they may eat and that were, they were not permitted to eat. We now look at the laws that were given specifically to the children of Israel, not to humanity in general. So don't crucify me and be like, oh, so I can't eat pork because I love pork and pork is good. Hey, this was the law to the Israelites, the children of Israel, which by the way, we are spiritually grafted into that family because we have accepted Christ. Christ comes from this lineage. And so we are by spiritual adoption related to them. So it applies to us too, sorry. And you can't say, I don't wanna be Christian because I like pork. Oh my God, you definitely don't want God to hear that. That's when God is actually gonna pull you even more, you know? But um, David Guzik was saying here that the reasons for these dietary laws are not clearly presented and many have suggested the reasons. The suggested reasons fall into several categories that it could be symbolic, it could be ethical, aesthetic, it could be hygienic, morphological and theological. Nobody knows. But from all these, the purpose of these dietary laws can be summarized in literally three points. And so he says the dietary laws gave the Israelites an opportunity to demonstrate obedience to God. That makes sense. Overall, God's intent was to make Israel a holy nation separate from the other nations. Hallelujah. I didn't even read this. And I just said that, that we must be separate, obedient to God, not only to their bellies, just as the first law God gave to humanity had to do with what could and could not be eaten, so these laws were given to Israel as a test of their obedience and separation to God. The dietary laws separated the Israelites from their Gentile pagan neighbors. I said that again just now. This limited the true fellowship and connection an obedient Israelite could have with the surrounding peoples who did not worship or obey Yahweh. As well, um, some of these animals declared unclean for eating were animals that were idolized in pagan religions. So it probably would have been okay, but a lot of these animals were also symbolic of the idols of pagans. The dietary laws helped to protect the health of the Jewish people. Many diseases and problems were prevented by obedience to these dietary laws. Meaning when they went against it and said, no, I'm going to eat it, they were probably wondering, where did all these diseases come from? Yellow fever, jaundice, all these kind of things. Where did they come from? Well, it came from your disobedience because God specifically laid out the laws of what to eat and what not to eat to make you set apart from your Gentile neighbors, from your pagan neighbors. This understanding is attacked based on the thinking that if this was the case, then it makes no sense for God to allow the eating of these animals under the new covenant. However, it is reasonable to think that in the more than 1500 years from the time of the giving of the law of Moses to the first century church, there was a better understanding of what, of what made some meat dangerous and other meat safe. So it is also reasonable to think that by protecting the health of the Jewish nation through dietary laws, God ensured the continuation and prosperity of his covenant people. I think I can actually agree with that. You know, we are physical beings and we do have to eat. We do have to make sure that we are taking care of our bodies. You know, giving yourself to Christ does not mean that you're careless and be like, oh, God will take care of it. No, sweetheart, you're going to die. Okay. There's a reason that God blessed people with the knowledge, wisdom, understanding, the expertise to be the doctor, the counselor, the accountant, whatever it is that they are to help you build your life to where it needs to be. And so when God says, Hey, because I know you need to survive because I know that you need food, but because I am holy and I need to make sure that you are pure before me, these are the animals you can and cannot eat period. And this is what God is saying at the end of the day, you know? So what, what is this? What is my summary here? Where am I getting at when we come to talk about God and what God is telling our people and how we should be? I think at the end of the day, when you have an opportunity, go to chapter 11, look up these animals, maybe even Google will give some definition of the type of animal that it is. There are specific words you can type in Google. I'm sure so many people have had questions about these animals, what they are, what they represent, what they eat, how toxic they may be. And it may even help to enlighten us some more based on what we have read today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so grateful for the opportunity to read the word with you. I hope you were reading along with me. I hope that you were receiving this message that I believe the Holy Spirit was 
emitting out of me because that definitely wasn't me at some point. My body starts to really rise in temperature and I know that the Holy Spirit has a word or two to let out. So please do share this podcast with your friends and your family. Share it on your platform. Go ahead and follow me at on Instagram at Knowing God Podcast, just as it sounds, Knowing God Podcast. Follow me, support me. I'm also on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter as well. I plan to continue doing this. I do not want to stop. So keep me in your prayers that God will equip me. God will give me better studio equipment. I am very open to any type of um, financial support as well to keep this podcast going and to be able to invite more people so that I can afford more mics and they would be able to come and join me. But I think next week, by the special grace of God, I shall have a guest speaker here And I know that it's going to be powerful. It may just be a topic centered around it. So stay tuned. Keep it locked. Share this podcast. Be a blessing to someone else. Don't keep all this for yourself. You got to share it. You got to bring other people into the fold of this body of Christ. I love you all with the love of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you for my life. I thank you for the life of the person or persons who is listening to this podcast right now. I thank you, Heavenly Father, because you are going to do a new thing in their lives. I thank you because you are going to open up their minds and bring new revelation of your word into their spirits. I thank you, Heavenly Father, because they are are going to walk into the purpose that you have for their lives. Thank you, Father. You are so worthy to be praised. I love you, Jesus. I love you so much. And I thank you for loving me in return. God bless you, everyone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Remember, guys, to pray without season. Keep God first in everything you are doing and seek discernment so that your eyes may be open to the things that the naked eye cannot see. God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend. See you soon.